spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Since he says, where am I going? And you cannot come. He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge. But he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So many great statements, I think, uh, in this passage. And obviously it begins with uh, probably one of the most famous statements where Jesus declares, I am the light of the world. But um, just verse 14, Jesus says he knows where he's come from and he knows where he's going. You've got to like a guy who knows where he's going. Um, he says that whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. That's because Jesus knows where he's come from and he knows where he's going. Anyone who follows me, therefore, will have the light of life. Um, it's as if Jesus is saying, I can turn the light on in your life because I am the light. And if all those statements are true, and I believe they are true, um, I have a number of questions. And my questions are really my points today. And my points are... Uh, not particularly deep, um, because I'm not a particularly deep kind of guy. Um, but uh, here's my questions that those statements lead. Uh, what is the light? Where is the socket? And who 
flicks the switch? What is the light? Where is the socket? And who flicks the switch? Like I said, I'm not a very deep kind of guy. Um, let's put a bit of background into this passage. Jesus is at the, the Feast of the Tabernacle. Uh, he's been there for uh, some time. Uh, the previous chapters and verses, uh, he's been in the same place. It's uh, an annual Jewish festival. We know that it's all about commemorating God's care for the Israelites in the wilderness. So it's all about pointing the, the Jews of that time, their attention back to, to the wilderness experiences of the Israelites. Um, verse 20 tells us that he is speaking in the treasury. Uh, and that's quite important because every evening in the treasury, during the Feast of the Tabernacle, the uh, priests would light these two giant candles um, that they'd be lit. And they were so bright that they would illuminate the whole of the temple. Um, and it was quite a, a significant moment uh, in the festival. It happened, uh, it was supposed to be a reminder. It was supposed to point the people at that time back to uh, God's presence. And um, we, we, can, we can kind of uh, pick up on that. Uh, on what that identification, what they're, what they're pointing back to in um, Exodus chapter 13, where it says, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud. So there's one of the, the lampstands, one of the candles to lead them along the way. And by night in a pillar of fire. So there's the second candle, the second lampstand to give them light that they may travel by day and by night. So this was the... Uh, the significance, if you like, of um, uh, of those two two lamps. So during the day, God's presence was in the form of a cloud. We know with the Israelites in the wilderness, and it would shade them uh, from the heat of the day. Uh, during the night, God's presence was in the form of a, a pillar of cloud, and um, we know that that would enable the Israelites to see uh, where they were going. Uh, to, to know where they should camp around. Um, it, it was a place of direction for them. But if you think about it in a desert, just for a moment, I'm going to, you know, my theme in a sense today um, keeps coming back to the wilderness and to the desert. But during the day in a desert, it's hot. The sun is binding. So what do people need most? They need shade during the night. A desert is cold and dark. So what do the people need most? They need heat and light. And in this place, in this temple, uh, in the treasury, where God's presence is being commemorated, where it's been highlighted on an annual basis, Jesus stands up and he declares, I am the light of the world. I am God's presence I am your shade. I am your light. I am your guide. You know, it's no wonder the Pharisees hated Jesus. When you see me, says Jesus, you see God. It's interesting, I think, that scripture also associates the world that you and I are living in with a wilderness. Uh, we are wanderers walking through the wilderness and in the wilderness there's confusion and pain there's heat and pressure there's cold there's darkness 
no one likes living in the wilderness. I don't know about you, but my wilderness experiences force me to accept that I'm not in control. And I'm, I'm not the kind of guy that likes to be out of control. Um, it's a wilderness experience for me, forces me to accept that I don't have all the answers. And I'm not the kind of guy that doesn't like having the having, uh, not having the answers. There is this disconnect in our, our wilderness experiences, I think, where between what we're hoping for and the reality that we're actually living in. Um, I don't know if any of you can identify that. The things you're hoping for are not meeting the reality you are living in. And we end up in this kind of tension, this desert, this wilderness, this pressure. And firstly, I want to say this tension is normal because you and I were created for Eden. You and I were created for the promised land. You and I were created for the new Jerusalem. And so it's natural that we, we long to be in those places. It's natural that we are uncomfortable in the wilderness. But I think like the Israelites, we cannot survive in the wilderness without shade or without light. So let me ask you this. How is Jesus a shade to you? You know, Jesus shades us from the heat of our conscience. Um, the, older, the older I get, the more vulnerable I get to regret. Obviously, I'm not quite as old as Mark yet, so I don't have quite as many regrets as him. But um, I remember a time uh, when I was 19 years old, um, having been given this lead role in this, um, this popular musical, it was a great opportunity. Uh, two weeks before opening night, uh, I walked out on the whole production. I can't even remember the reason. Obviously, this crazy 19-year-old thought uh, he had a good enough reason to walk out on everybody, and he did. I still get cold shivers when I think about it. More than 25 years later, I still remember the friendships I lost. Some of you are doing the maths right now. I can see 19, 25. Oh, that's how old he is, right? Um, more than 25 years later, I still remember the friendships I lost. I still remember the people I hurt as a result of my dramatic actions. Maybe you regret the way you treated your children. I don't know. Handled a, a situation at work. Responded to somebody in church. What do you do with a bag full of regrets? The Bible says we allow Jesus to be our shade. See, right at the beginning of that chapter eight, what's the, the story? The story of a woman caught in adultery and Jesus says she sinned and he calls her to change her behavior. But what does he do? He, he also shades her from condemnation by taking the condemnation upon himself in the wilderness we've got to allow Jesus to be our shade what about our light what about our guide how is Jesus a, a guide to you um, that word uh, that the world is a wilderness those times this 
There doesn't seem to be a way out. We don't know when the wandering will end. You know, the Israelites had 40 years of wandering. Um, I struggle with 40 minutes of wandering and uncertainty. There are moments when we, we don't know which way to turn. A child who's constantly misbehaving. Which way do I turn? What's the right response? Are people watching me? What about a, a boss who is difficult? Which direction do I go in? Do I walk away? Do I try to muster up the courage to love or speak up? Which direction am I supposed to travel in? The Bible says that Jesus is our light. His word is a lamp to our feet. Um, you ever watched a, a mature believer when they're, they're in a difficult place? Uh, you realize they don't seem as if they're in the dark. They, they have a sense of calm about them. They, they know worldly truths keep on changing, but they know God's truth is steadfast. There's sort of this quiet confidence about these people. They say things like, yes, my circumstances are different right now or difficult right now. But hey, I remember what God did for Abraham. I remember what God did for Job. I remember what happened to Paul when he was imprisoned. God has a purpose. They just seem to know that God gets his children to the promised land. <laughs> They don't imagine God thinking, oh, I wanted this for Damien's life. But because of Damien's stupidity in that theater, in that company, I guess I'll have to change my plans now. They don't struggle with that kind of thinking. They know the truth of what Jesus is declaring in our passage today. I am your shade. I am your guide. I am the one who will get you through so if Jesus is who he says he is like I said I believe he is where's the socket how do I plug in to this light um let me take you back to uh, our passage for today Back to verse 12, where again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You know, I think you look at that word, whoever follows me, and we presume it means whoever does exactly what Jesus does will not walk in darkness. But it's interesting what John writes because, um, or, or what Jesus then says. It says, so Jesus said to them, when uh, you, sorry, did I, yeah. Yeah, let me go to verse 28. Later on, it says, so Jesus said to them, when you've lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority but speak just as the Father taught me. So whoever follows me, but Jesus said to them, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you'll know that I am he. Put yourself back in that treasury. Think about the people who are gathered around Jesus. A lot of those people 
are his enemies as well as his followers. We know that from verse 20. And in verse 28, he makes this, it's, it's, a, it's as if he's challenging his enemies. If you want to see, if I am the light of the world, then kill me and watch what happens. Because when you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you'll know who I am. And what happened? You know, the lifting up of Jesus Christ, the Son of Man on a cross, it started a movement which spread through the city and then across the globe. You know, if you want to follow Jesus Christ, you have to see him lifted up and crucified. Now, that's not big revelation for most of you. But it's not enough to follow him by simply following the rules. And that probably isn't a big revelation for most of you either. But it's amazing how when we're struggling, we go back into that mindset. I must have done something wrong to cause the mess, to cause the tension, to cause the stress I am now living in. It's one thing to take pride in your good deeds. It's something different to see the Son of Man lifted on a cross and receiving the punishment your sins deserve. See, Jesus is more than a good example. Great teaching doesn't help if our hearts are too weak to follow it. Jesus has to be our saviour. If he paid the penalty, then there's hope, even in the wilderness. And, and let me ask you, can you see the hope in verse 28? Can you find the hope in verse 28? So Jesus said to them, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority but speak just as the Father has taught me. You see that? Only when we see the Son of Man lifted on a cross will we know Jesus for who he is. Knowing Jesus. Yeah, there's a song. I won't burst into that hymn right now, but knowing Jesus. John tells us more about it um, in uh, 1 John chapter to 1. So just let me bring that up on the screen for you. But 1 John chapter 1, he says, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You know, John's just referring to the effects of the gospel, to the results of knowing Jesus, knowing who he is, knowing what he's done. To walk in the darkness means to pursue a pattern of life apart from God, apart from the light. To walk in the light means both fellowship with God, verse 6, and fellowship with other believers, verse 7. But the danger, I think, here is that we Presume fellowship means hanging out together. Let's grab a takeaway. Let's um, let's go to church. Let's uh, go. Sorry, let's go to the beach. Fellowshipping means so much more. We know that walking in the light doesn't mean that we will never sin. 
And that's important because in verse 7, John reminds us the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Yet when our confession of sin is based on the truth that the blood of Jesus is sufficient, God is faithful to forgive our sins. He's faithful to cleanse us from all righteousness, verse 9, in the same passage. But when we walk outside of Jesus' shade, when we come out from under that, when we remove our confidence from that, our own conscience starts to condemn us. And that's why we need constant fellowship with God and constant fellowship with other believers. When a believer walks in the light, they begin to experience revival. That means you'll probably, and hear me out on this one, it means you'll probably feel worse about yourself and feel better about yourself all at the same time. Now, Mark can correct my dodgy theology on that one. Um, but that's because the more a person comes into the light, the more flaws and the more marks are exposed. It's like um, it's like shining a torch into the a torch into the dark corners of your kitchen. Um, this probably says more about my kitchen than your kitchen. And you find chicken wings from six months ago, tucked behind some cupboard in some dark corner somewhere. Let me ask you: Is your fellowshipping with God? Is your fellowshipping with other believers? bringing greater light to bear on you? Is it helping you to find the chicken wings? See, before, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Before becoming a believer, uh, a man might, might have slept with women simply to exercise power over them. But after becoming a believer, he, he comes into the light and he repents and he, he lets go of his poor view of women. But now his need for dominance, it's much more subtle. As he fellowships with other believers, they correct him for the way he's always needing to be in charge. He's always needing to be certain or right. Under the stronger light of Christian fellowship, the subtleties of his dominance are exposed. So, okay, he repents and he goes on to become a, a, a small group leader. But each week he feels he has to prove himself. Each week he feels he must be the one to give the best answer, the best example in the room. See, now under the even stronger light of Christian leadership, more flaws are exposed. I was once told that the pastoral ministry will either make you or it will break you, but it'll, there's no in-between. It's one or the other, and that depends on how well you learn to handle what it exposes of yourself. You see, in those moments when the light is shone upon us, do we hide like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and... Uh, gather our fig leaves, or do we open ourselves up to the light of the gospel? The more light you get, the more mess you see. The more mess you see, the more you recognize your need for grace. And this is where renewal happens. 
the more we see our mess, the more we see how patient, how merciful, how loving God is towards us. We become both humbler and happier all at the same time. It's like a contradiction. Our heart overflows with gratitude and gratitude moves us towards obedience. So let me try and sum this up. Let me ask my final question. Who flicks the switch? How does all this turn on? Go back to that festival. Put yourself in that treasury before those candles were lit, surrounded by darkness. Imagine the priests setting the lamps ablaze. Imagine Jesus coming to the front and making his declaration. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You know, as those huge lamps burst into flames, the darkness scatters, not because of anything the audience did. The brightness of the lamps flicker across Jesus's face. And as you look at his face, you realize his light connects with your need for light. Jesus is communicating that he's your awesome, he's your powerful God, but also that he's made himself approachable. God has come into the world, but this time not as a fearsome, scary pillar of fire. This time he's walking amongst you. This time he's able to touch your face share a meal with you, bless your children. Jesus is proof that our heavenly father longs to be close to us. God came in human flesh so that you and I can draw near to him and have courage for the journey. And that journey includes the wilderness of this world and the longings we have for the next world. And yet, like the pillar of fire, Jesus is a force to be reckoned with. He fights for us and protects us as we wander. He fights against our greatest enemy. He came into the world to do battle. Hebrews 2 says that he came to destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and to relieve all those who through fear of death were subject to the devil's slavery. As you stand in the crowd, watching the light flickering across Jesus's face, you realize you don't have to be afraid in this life. You don't have to hold it all together. You don't have to have all the answers. The darkness that threatens to overcome you has met its match in Jesus Christ. He fought the enemy and won. And as you stand in God's temple, looking at the face of his only son, you realize something about the heart of your heavenly father. 
that although you wander, God does not. That although sometimes you feel like giving up, God does not. That although you look at others and judge others and wait for them to come to their senses before you trust, before you give, God does not. You may not see it, but he, the Son of Man, is fighting for you. He, the Son of Man, continues to defeat your enemies, to make a way for you to come home. It's as Paul wrote in Romans that God shows his love for us, that whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There will be times when fear fills us and we feel alone. We will feel shamed of what we've done and wonder if we can ever find our way back home. But in these moments, we must look at God's tangible love for us. We must look at the Son of Man being lifted high at the cross where Jesus fought, at the cross where Jesus overcame. Jesus hanging on that cross. That's the evidence that God is for us, not against us. We have greater proof than a pillar of fire. We have the face of Jesus Christ. We have the light of the world. And he invites us to walk in that light. Folks, my, my message is a very simple one today. It's a phrase, though, that I think we know in our heads that Jesus is the light of the world, but it's one that doesn't always touch our hearts when we need it. But just receive those words from Christ today that I am your light and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You have one who is working for you, one who's interceding at the Father's right hand today and always. I'm just going to pray.